The following podcast contains explicit language. Oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> Yoga on Monday morning is a blessing and a curse. Um, so you owe me $50. Okay, I'll just, I'll Venmo you. Oh, perfect. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career in friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll discuss how to staff a writer's room, what we as showrunners look for in potential writers, and all the ways to stand out. And this topic is a special request from one of the assistants on The Fix. Then we'll talk to Mary, our assistant, about her recent Joshua Tree retreat at the Integratar. Whatever the hell that is. I can't even say that. Um, it's very woo-woo, though. Yes. And we've also got a Hollywood hack that makes it easy to pay people back in a good way. Um, but first, an update. Yes, Sarah, we introduced our kimono club and the kimono craze um, <laughs> that is sweeping the nation here on Happier in Hollywood recently. And we asked everybody to post pictures of themselves in their kimonos. And, oh, my God, we've seen some awesome photos. Oh, yeah. Our listeners have some incredible, beautiful kimonos out there. Yes. And we're happy to report that um, we have gotten Marsha Clark to join (laughs) our kimono club. We got her a kimono for her birthday. Um, And it looks fabulous on her. And um, she's now officially part of our kimono club. Yeah, so we just sweep and flow around the office. It's delightful. There is a picture of Marsha on my Instagram feed, um, if anyone wants to scroll through and find it in her kimono. (laughs) Looking fab. All right. So keep sending those pictures in and join our Facebook group if you haven't already. Just search for Happier in Hollywood and click to join. Hashtag Kimono Club. Oh, and someone in our Facebook group is crocheting a kimono. Yeah, that I can't wait to see. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So keep posting those photos. Hashtag Kimono Club. And as always, we invite you to join our Facebook group if you want to see fabulous pictures of people in kimonos um, or talk about lots of cool stuff stuff. Just search for Happier in Hollywood and click to join. Sarah, I have to mention to everyone that I am sick right now, so my voice is a little wonky, so apologies. I hope you feel better soon. And that you don't get it. That too. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches, and this week it's how to staff a writer's room. Yes, we did this recently, of course, um, after our show The Fix got picked up to series by ABC. And one of our one of the assistants in our office, Evan, thought that this would be a good topic to discuss because, of course, all the assistants in our office ultimately want to get staffed on a show. Yes. Um, And I have to say, Sarah, we pride ourselves on hiring great staffs. Yeah. We've staffed several shows and the writers have always gone on to be incredibly successful, even just the lower level people, you know, who were giving them their first job. Um, So I think we take a lot of pride in our staffing ability. Yes, we do. Um, And it is an overwhelming process. Oh, God, it's crazy. It's literally you get hundreds and hundreds of submissions. You have to weed through all of them. 
the studio and the network are very helpful in doing that, but it's really, really overwhelming. Yeah. So to take it back, when as soon as your show is picked up, I mean, the truth is you start thinking about staffing well before your show is picked up. I mean, we probably had 20 meetings with writers before our show was even picked up because once the show is picked up, everybody, it's a feeding frenzy in Hollywood. Like everyone's hiring at the same time. So you want to be ready to go out with offers like five minutes after your show gets picked up to series. Right. So first step is, as you said, getting all these scripts and you have to do a lot of reading. Now, one thing everybody should know, and we've probably mentioned this on the show, is that often we only read the first 10 pages or five. Yeah, there are scripts that I'll only read five pages of. You can tell very quickly if you're responding to someone's writing or not. Yeah, and that's why they say always have something great on the first page. Yeah. Um, And if if we are moved to read a script all the way through because we want to know what happens, that's someone 100% we're going to meet with. Yes. I can't think of one script I've read all the way through and not wanted to at least meet with the writer. Yes. If not desperately wanted to hire them. Yes. <laughs> um, agents from all the agencies in town will send scripts. We have this incredibly extensive grid of the writer's name and what they submitted and where they're represented and what level they are. Kind and of credits that they, you know, shows they've written on. Yes. All kind of grouped. It's primarily grouped by level. Um And then you kind of look through it. And one thing that we care a lot about is having diversity on our writing staff. Um, We want women. We want men. We want people of color. We want to make sure that we have a room that's representative of the world as a whole and of the characters that we're writing. Yeah. And we should say when you say levels, maybe we should explain what that is. Yeah. So a room is... It's something sort of a hierarchy of, of, you know, of different levels of writers, which is basically just experience. So the lowest level is a staff writer. That's your first writing job. You're a staff writer. Then it goes to story editor, then co-producer, then producer, then supervising producer, then co-EP, then EP. Um, Now, a lot of times an EP level person might then go be a co-EP because it's not their show. So co-EP is very high. That means you have a lot of experience. Right. And when you're staffing, that's where you start. You want to start with yeah, the upper level people and specifically whoever's going to be your number two. Now, the number two on a show is like a critically important position. Oh, my gosh. And that's so important. Yeah. That's kind of your first priority. Um, for us, we knew exactly who we wanted our number two on the fix to be. So we just honed in on him right away. Yes. Corey Miller, who we've worked with before and we're very comfortable with just on every level. We just we know um, he's he's not only a great writer and great at breaking stories, but he's someone that we enjoy being around, which is a key element to staffing a room. You are with these people a lot. So you want people that you enjoy their company. I mean, it's just true. A way to, especially if you're a really young writer, a way to really get yourself noticed in a meeting is to be somebody that everybody wants to be around. It's so important. It sounds silly in a way because, of course, you want to kind of put your best foot forward in any meeting. Right. But it's good to come in with 
I don't know, sort of a level of comfort with yourself Mm -hmm. and a willingness to share yourself. Yes. If you come into a meeting and you're kind of closed off and not really engaging, and it's hard because people are often extremely nervous. Yeah. Like extremely nervous. We've noticed, especially when Marsha is in the room. Yes. (laughs) People get really nervous. But, you know, Marsha's there every day. So you have to be able to kind of work through that and still be really present and engaged. Yeah. And Having a point of view is super important because we're in a room. We want people who are going to say something we wouldn't say. We're not looking for people who are exactly like us. We're looking for people who offer something different so that, you know, they're going to have different story ideas. They're going to have different thoughts for the characters. They're going to make it better as opposed to just, like, continuing exactly what we might do. Yes, absolutely. And then, of course, the opposite is also true. You don't want someone who can't listen. Very true. Yeah, someone who just comes in and just talks and talks and talks and talks and doesn't even let you get a word in edgewise and they're there for a job interview— Right away, you know, okay, that person's going to be a pain in the ass (laughs) in the room. We don't want them. And you think, who would come into a job interview and do that? You think nobody? It happens all the time. We nix people constantly for that reason. Yeah. Um, Because, again, it goes to the thing of, like, if you want to have dinner with someone or not. You don't want to go to dinner with somebody who's going to be just like a nonstop chatterbox. Yes. Um. Liz, I want to go back for one second and talk about scripts Mm. because there's a whole thing now where people are submitting original material, where they're coming up with their own pilots and submitting those instead of what used to be the case, which is you would do a spec of an existing show. Right. That's what we did. Yes. Um, And it's really tough because there's nothing harder to write than a pilot. Right. So when we talk about, like, we'll only read five or ten pages of something, like, if we were reading... A, a spec of a show that already existed and we could tell that the voices were right on yeah. and that the structure is right on, that's a really easy way to evaluate someone. When you're reading someone's pilot, the bar is so high and yeah. it's almost unfair to people, particularly lower level writers who don't have the experience with breaking, who don't have like the skill set necessarily to do a pilot script It's really a disadvantage, we think, but that is what's happening in the business right now. Yeah. And the other thing that's kind of odd about it is if someone can write a pilot well, it doesn't mean they can write an episode of something else well. I mean, so much of being on a staff is... Um, is honing in on the voice of the show. In other words, we want people writing the fix. We don't want people writing law and order on the fix. You know, it's like, and so what's nice is when you see someone do a sample of another show, you can see, oh, yes, they can hone in on the voices of a show. Um, But as you said, nobody's asking us. (laughs) And now it's just that's what everyone does. So we're adjusting somehow to that, too. We have to kind of find a new way to evaluate people because we have to know, okay, well, we didn't really like the resolution of their story, but they had some good characters or they had a great end of act one. And it's hard to have a great end of act one. Um, And by the way, act breaks are very important. Very important. We should just do a whole thing about writing at some point, the actual writing, writing. We could do it like three hours on act breaks alone. Yeah. Um, so then you meet with people, you meet with lots of people and kind of figure out who you click with and you start with the upper level 
and slowly, one at a time, kind of you, you're creating a dynamic more than anything. Yeah, you, you want to think, okay, we've got all of our bases covered. We know these people are great at breaking stories, so they're going to cover that. We know these people, their script is so strong. We know we can um, throw anything to them to write. Um, now, look, ideally, all TV writers are great at everything. And I happen to think our staff, I mean, everyone in there is great at breaking stories and great at writing. Partly, it's because we've had so much experience that, you know, it's easy for us to recognize, like, who's got what skills. But you do need to sort of know, okay, I know this person can run a room when we walk out. Yes. And you're also looking for, like, I think these people will click together. Yeah. Because you're trying to create a room that's a safe space. Hmm. Like, you don't want a room, which goes to our no assholes policy. Yes. It's like our most important thing in creating a room. Um, You want a room where people are going to be free to express themselves and disagree. Yes. And not have it be ugly or not have people get shut down. It's really about creating that. And if you can create that, then you're great. Yeah. What we know from our own experience is a lot of times showrunners will blame their staff. Oh, my staff sucks. They can't come up with any good ideas. It's all on me. And I have never yet met a staff of people who couldn't come up with great ideas. If they're not delivering, it's because, you know, the showrunner to me isn't directing properly. Right. Uh, But that's, I guess, a whole separate issue from actually staffing a room. But you've staffed the room. Have confidence. Yeah, man. Come on. You know, so it's like ideally, I guess, a room is 7 to 12 people, depending on how big your order is and what kind of show it is. Um, And the thing that everyone needs to understand is we might love you. You may have walked out of the room and we said, oh, my God, we must have this person on our staff. They're so fantastic. And then we run out of money and we can't hire you. I mean, that has happened so many times. And for years later, we'll be like, remember that person who we wanted to hire and we didn't have the money? What are they doing now? Oh, no, it's like the one that got away, except in our case, it's like the 25 that got away. Yeah. So if you don't get hired, don't think that it means you suck. Now, there may be something you're not doing well if it happens again and again. If you're getting a lot of meetings and you're not getting a job, that's definitely something to look at and maybe have your agent ask, like, why didn't you hire this person? We're trying to have, you know, constructive feedback for future interviews. Like, for instance, someone once came to a meeting with us. He had a great script, but we felt that he just presented more as a business school candidate than a <laughs> yes. TV writer. Yeah. And we said to his agent, you know, maybe tell him to wear a T-shirt and like less gel in his hair because yeah. he just didn't feel like a TV writer. And we can't imagine what it's going to be like to be in a room with him because he doesn't feel like he's a TV writer. He, mm-hmm. You know, it feels like he's going to be evaluating us on some other level. <laughs> So we do give that feedback if people ask. Yeah. And, of course, we've talked about in other episodes, show up and make it clear that you want the job. Yes. Oh, God, we take that really into account. If we're if we're all talking with someone and then they leave and they never said that they like the show, we're like, well, look, we're looking for volunteers, not recruits. That's one of our staffing mantras. We mm-hmm. want people who want to be on the show. 
I don't care how good you are. If you don't want to be here, we don't want you. Right. And we know that you're meeting on other shows. Yeah. So our assumption is going to be like they're here to try and get a better offer from somewhere else. Right. If and you're so not... we'll immediately write you off. Yes. Um, now, we should also mention something that happens in staffing, which is very frustrating and makes the process just chaotic for everyone is like I said, it's a feeding frenzy all at the same time. So you may have decided, okay, I want to hire these seven people. Four of them may have already gotten offers and taken them. Yeah. And so suddenly you're like, wait, I have no upper level people yet. I can't even think about staff writers because all of the upper people we've met with are now not available and we have to start from scratch. And that happens almost every time. Yes. And then for the staff writers who are there waiting, they're just like, why is no one meeting with me? It's because we're scrambling to get our upper and mid-levels sorted out. And then the other thing, and this is a real issue for lower-level writers, Often the people who get hired are the people who the showrunner knows. Yes. It's their former assistant. It's someone that they've met and been mentoring. Yeah. So if you're at that level, you really have to develop your relationships. Yeah. It's the best way to get a job. Yeah. Um, for instance, as our listeners know, Brooke, our, one of our staff writers, used to be our former assistant. And it just it was nice because we know her. We know what she offers because she'd been offering it. Yes. And, for example, we did um, – we – produced a pilot. We executive produced a pilot when she was our assistant. She came to do, to New York with us. She worked her ass off. And we had her writing small things yeah. so that we could see what her skills were. And she's a fantastic writer. So we knew that going in. And it was so easy to be like, all right, Brooke, you're in. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So making those relationships is so important. And I think, I mean, I have to say all of the assistants on our show really express an interest. They yeah. come in the room. They want to take notes. They write on the board. They really put themselves out there. And they're all they're all doing the doing it right. Yes. Like Jackie, our writer's PA. She we said early on, what do you want to do? She was like, I want to be a writer. I want to be in the room. And she's in there sitting next to our writer's assistant. And we noticed that. Yeah. And yesterday we had all the writers were busy and I went by the room and all the assistants like Mary, Evan, Jackie were all in there talking about episode eight with Brooke, who was the only writer who was left in the room. And it was just, you know, it was great. It's this kind of morning fantastic. we will go in and see what they came up with. Yes, I can't wait to hear. But we digress. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how we staff a room. If you have any more specific questions, um, email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or, you know, put questions in our Facebook group. I do think this is a subject that people are very interested in. Coming up, we'll talk to Mary about the Integratron in Joshua Tree. But first, a word from our sponsor. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. Factor's 
fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, now it's time for Take a Hike, in which we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. And today it's spiritual health. This is maybe the most woo-woo thing we've ever talked about. Um, The Integratron in Joshua Tree. Mary... What what is this thing? Yes. We're, yeah. we're baffled. So I got the idea because a friend of mine, he was working on a show and the whole staff, they did a sound bath session at the Integratron. So wait, wait. So the, the whole staff of the show mm-hmm. went to Joshua Tree as a group. And they rented it out, uh-huh. did a sound bath, and then they had to pitch ideas afterwards. Okay. Well, first of all, what is the Integratron? Yeah, so it's this, like, dome-structured building. No nails were used to build it. Um, and It's it, made of wood? Yes, light wood, and it's all white, and it looks kind of funky. It looks like a UFO. There's nothing around. It's, you know, quiet and flat, and all of a sudden you see this, like, dome. So it's just, like, in the flat desert. Yeah, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, and it's supposed to be, you know, perfectly sound and... Um, And they just hold sound bath sessions there. But what is a sound bath? Right. Yeah. So a sound bath, um, it's a form of meditation where they'll play singing bowls, the crystal bowls. Sometimes they'll use a cello so that you can feel the and it's supposed to be a perfect pitch to feel it throughout your body like this vibration. And um, apparently this dome building is supposed to have the perfect elevated you know, you're supposed to have spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> so let's talk about sa- what did you, sound bowls, like yeah. the crystal bowls. Mm-hmm. Talk about what happens with those. What, yeah, those so work? they play they play them around, and um, uh, that's supposed to kind of make it vibrate through your body. So um, it's like a crystal bowl. How mm-hmm. big is the bowl? Oh, uh, like a little, probably like two feet. Some of them are really big. And, and what do they put something around the rim of the bowl to make yeah, it make inside. sound? Mm-hmm. Really slowly, and it kind of gets louder and crescendos, and yeah. And how many of these bowls are going at once? Oh, there are multiple. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of all from all over the space. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wow. paint a picture. So you go there. Yeah. You buy a ticket. Yes, yes. You have to buy a ticket. You do it with strangers. I mean, because I didn't rent it out. I went with my boyfriend. We, you know, did it with. You know, 28 other strangers. <laughs> and they give you this spiel about the guy who uh, built it. Uh, he was, his name's George Van Tassel, I believe. And he... Um, we went to high school with a Van Tassel, didn't mm-hmm. we? I wonder yeah, if I wonder he's related. The same thing. <laughs> I'm not saying I believe in it or anything, but he, he said that he was abducted by aliens from mm. the planet Venus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they told him how to build this perfectly sound um, structure. And he quit his job as a pilot and built the Integratron. And um, so are you lying down? Yeah, you're lying down in a mat and, you know, you close your eyes. And it's just, I mean, I don't think I 
had spiritual enlightenment or anything, <laughs> but it was very relaxing. And it's really nice for people who aren't good at or don't think they're good at meditating because I know sometimes people are like, I can't think about nothing, you know, and yeah. this with the sound and feeling it and feeling the vibration, it just and with other people doing it, too, that kind of makes you just not think about anything and just meditate. So you yeah. actually feel the sound vibrations mm -hmm. in your body yeah, lying yeah. on the ground. Yeah. So and how how long are you in there? An hour. An hour. And did you only do it one hour or did you go back for multiple sessions? I, I've only done it for one hour. Yeah. Okay. So you went to the desert. Did you, is there a hotel nearby? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess I should add this, too. I stayed in an Airbnb, and besides doing the Integratron, I mean, Joshua Tree is just right. a, an yeah. amazing place in the Mojave Desert. It's quiet. There's nothing. Like, Joshua Trees, if you haven't seen them in real life, they're really amazing, and it's it's a cool place. You can see the stars, you know, if you live in the city. It's kind of nice to just see the stars. Yeah, and, from L.A., it's an amazing weekend yeah. away. Not that I've done it. I've been meaning to for years. I haven't. You mm -hmm. might inspire me, although I don't know if I'll do the Integratron. Well, I have to say, Sarah, I'm shocked you don't want to go. This seems so up your alley. I think it sounds great. Yeah. I don't know about taking our entire staff <laughs> and making them do the Integratron and then pitch stories, although it's certainly interesting. If there's a season two, we should discuss it. Uh, maybe a weekend in Vegas like Gilmore Girls right? used to do would be more up our alley. But, I mean, I could see you and I going and doing the Integratron the Integratron together. Here's here's the barrier for me. I would totally go to Joshua Tree for a weekend with Violet, um, but she's not going to lay in the Integratron right. for an hour. Right. And I would totally do the Integratron with you, but you're not going to go camping for a weekend, <laughs> which is what Joshua Tree is about. Well, that's why I asked if there was a hotel. <laughs> right. <laughs> and how nice the hotel is. Yeah. <laughs> and is there a spa there? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm putting it on our list. Okay. Also, I'll do park, it with you if we can work it out. The actual park is a lot of fun, too, if you get to go to the park. Also, it's crazy because at the park, there's not a lot of rangers. And when you're hiking, you can hear the rattlesnakes under oh, the God. ground. Wow. And you're like, and there, you can climb wherever on the, it's like. Okay, I'm not going with Violet. I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, thank you for introducing us to this um, new California woo-woo destination we've, that we never would have known about. Um, and that's why I love California, Sarah, because we have everything in the state. That's so true. And if we go there, we will report back. Yes. All right. Next up, we'll share a tech-savvy transactional Hollywood hack. But first, an ad break. And now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, Venmo. Now, Sarah, I thought everyone had heard of Venmo and it wouldn't even be a Hollywood hack because it's just part of our lives. But I think a lot of people actually don't know about it. Okay, so let's explain what Venmo is. It's basically an app on your phone. It's a mobile payment service that allows you to transfer money to other Venmo users. You set up your account, which I think is um, connected to your credit card. Yeah, or your bank. It can go directly to your bank if your bank participates in Venmo. And it makes it so easy, like this week, uh, and this is not an ad. Venmo isn't giving giving us anything for this. Um, this week, you bought a pair of shoes that didn't fit you, yes. but that fit me. Yes. So you you gave me your shoes, and then I paid you through Venmo. Yeah, it was so easy. We're constantly like 
paying for things for each other and then having to keep track. And it's just a total pain in the ass. And this way we can just right away be like, oh, I owe you $32. Here you go. It also makes it really easy to pay specific amounts because, you know, it's like, oh, you owe someone $54. And it just seems ridiculous. You know, you're like, where do I (laughs) get $4? And take 55. (laughs) No, give me 50. It's okay. And that whole thing. You just pay the exact amount. There is a slight charge if you're using a credit card rather than going through your bank. Mm. But to me, it's just so worth it to have it done. No, so you have to talk about this. Apparently, one of the guys who designed Venmo was on Bachelor in Paradise. That's right. John. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. I think he is a programmer. Uh And he was one of the designers of Venmo. And um, I think that made him very appealing to a lot of the women. Yes, that makes As sense. As you can imagine, he kissed more girls than anybody else at Bachelor in Paradise. Go John, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this it, do, it just seems like the future, doesn't it? Venmo oh, is kind of where we're going. Absolutely. I mean, and also I want to point out it's great for school because, you know, you can pay other moms and dads back for school things, and that is very convenient. Yes. So it's just wonderful. And on that wonderful note, that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our amazing producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. And thank you for the throat coat tea today. <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> you can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thank you to the awesome ad team at Panoply. And thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for sharing her Integratron experience with us and for helping us juggle the insanity of our lives. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at SFain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Do you think the throat coat tea is helping or do I just sound horrible? You sound better than you did half an hour ago. All right. I think it's helping. I'm going to have to steal some of this and take it to work. (laughs) Nobody wants to sit next to me. (laughs) 